Welcome to another episode of the Big Bang Bear Podcast. This is the first episode of 2021. I have not recorded since sometime in late December of 2020, and it's been quite a time, I will say. It's been uh, very busy with Christmas, New Year's, and just in general, having to practice better habits of self-care. So I've you know been taking my time with deciding when I've wanted to podcast, and obviously it's been long overdue. I know I've been trying to just get one in every now and then, but once you stop doing something, it's really easy to just let it go, you know? Uh, you know, take it with working out. You know, once once you get to a routine of working out, say, three times a week, the week you stop that you just don't do anything, then it'll be much easier um, not doing it next week, depending on how you go about it. And it's it's just strange how the, the brain works that way. I mean, some people are very disciplined and can, you know, just stay stuck to that routine every time. But I found out about myself that, and I mean, I knew this for a long time, but once I start something, it's easy for me to just keep it going. But, you know, if as soon as I decide to do something differently and it causes that uh, routine to, you know, fall off, it's very easy for me to just let it go after that. So I'm not sure if that works for you the same way. If it does, then I'm glad you can relate. If not, then um, kudos to you for possibly being able to, you know, stick to your routine no matter what, which, you know, I commend people that can do that. It's, it's such an amazing characteristic to have because it's consistency, you know? Consistency is just so important because when you get something good going in your life, that that sense of consistency that you're so good at having will contribute to just keeping that good habit going. Now, obviously, that can work as a curse as well. You know, being such a consistent person, like, you know, if you're if you got a bad habit going and you just can't seem to find yourself to get out of this loop, then it makes it harder. You know, you kind of have to break away from your great sense of consistency in order to break something that is not good for you if that makes any sense. So I guess I should probably catch you up on everything that's been going on in my life. Um, I am still with Amanda. We're doing great. Still living together. It's been, um, it's going to be almost a year, believe it or not, that we've started dating. It's going to be in March 17th, which is St. Patty's Day. Um, we, it's, it's just hard to believe it's been that long already. <laughs> Um, definitely by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, you'll probably hear me say that time and time again, you know, every now and then I won't cram it into your ears and tell you about how much, uh, you know, she's brought so much happiness into my life. Obviously it's some corny shit you don't want to hear, which is totally fine. Um, I just know that I'm in a very happy place in my relationship. And as I've told Amanda herself that, um, our relationship is one of the least of my worries because it, it feels secure, it's healthy, it's something that um, I can always fall back to if I feel everything else in life is just not clicking. 
And that's just the one thing in my life that's always been clicking since her and I have gotten together, which is something that I every now and then take for granted, but I quickly give myself like a mental slap in the head to be like, you know, hey, don't don't fuck this up. You have something good here. Don't don't even think about it. So you you best believe I'm keeping myself in check. So um, for people who have uh, faith problems, uh, I don't know, take notes. Not faith problems, um, <laughs> problems with staying loyal to your partner. If you have problems with that, then please talk to me. I can I can try and help with what keeps Amanda and I um, in such a great, you know, healthy relationship. Because the key to a healthy relationship is ensuring that both parties are happy and that, um, you know, even like just the, the average needs are fulfilled. And sometimes it's just things as simple as your your presence and um, talking every now and then or, or talking, you know, all the time, which for me that I don't I can't recall there being a day that I have not spoken to Amanda. Like if whenever I'm not with her, it just, you know, gets very lonely. And that that's kind of what happens when you're so used to being around someone. But um, it also has to mix in with, you know, that healthy relationship aspect, because obviously you can be around someone who's been shitty to you and you'll still end up missing them. But that's not the case for me. So relationship, great. Social life, um, can't can't really put a finger on that. Um, I mean, my social life mostly consists of work. So that's why, you know, I, I talk with some of my friends, you know, from work. And also uh, social media like Twitter and Snapchat. I, I have a very supportive uh, circle of friends. I'd like to I like to call them friends at least, but I guess we can say people who I follow on Twitter or uh, people who you know I follow who who we follow each other basically. Um, so that that's been good. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Debbie. Shout out to um, yeah Alex and Debbie. Yeah, those are. Uh, Two, two of my favorite people aside from Amanda. Obviously, Amanda's like, you know, number one, like no questions. So if you ever, you know, have any questions of like, well, who's your number one? Well, obviously, it's my girlfriend. So that's that's obviously a gimme. But, you know, those are two other people that are that uh, I really value highly in my life are Alex and um, Debbie. And I miss them both very dearly. Um, they're both at school right now at SU, and um, from from what I know, it's probably not the best time right now. Obviously, with how cold it is, all the strict COVID uh, protocols that the school is taking, and it's I to say the least, I've been hearing more negative things than positive, and it it, it just sucks. It really does suck, and I'm very glad that I'm not living through that right now, but I heavily empathize for my people at SU that are still, you know, studying over there and living on campus and having to be under like multiple leashes, you know, from your wrist to your neck and your legs, you know, because just recently I heard that, well, I saw that um, they're not allowing non-essential travel so if they say they were to find out that you were traveling just to hang out with some friends somewhere else, then obviously they're they're gonna penal- they're gonna fine you for that. So that that's nice. That's quite a way for them to to start getting more of their money's worth. I believe it's kind of like the NFL where 
any small infraction, you know, like constantly roughing the passer or doing some some act of of uh, solidarity or some shit, you know, you get fined for it. Like you just with the NFL, you never know what you're going to get fined with. And now it's kind of becoming that way with SU. And I just I, I find it comical, but also sad where you're supposed to have a, a school that's supposed to support all their students and it just it for some reason I'm from all the feedback I've keep I've kept seeing from my fellow students from SU that it doesn't seem like the case. So I just really hope you know the administration gets their shit together. Um, they're definitely not getting any alumni money out of me. The only the only uh, thing in SU that will be getting any money out of me is the rugby team because that is the one thing that has kept me at SU like attached like never gonna leave no matter what um, and I, I might have spoken about this in my earlier podcasts like from the first I don't know five six episodes maybe that SU rugby was one of the things that kept me there because I had at one point at my lowest point in life had contemplated on transferring and that was just the thought that never came back again because as soon as I thought about um, the rugby team. That was the only thing that I loved so much because not only did the sport itself keep me in shape, but my 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 social life was always kept on its toes with how crazy the guys were, and you know, obviously having that opportunity to uh, bond with them through you know our our get-togethers, our parties, our our small events that are exclusive to the ju- just the rugby team, and hosting all these rugby. Uh, tournaments for high school students that are, you know, trying to find a, a college to go to. And obviously that gives us a really good rep because we're the ones hosting those high school students. And then they, you know, they get to know what we're about. So just all that, the, the, the camaraderie, if <laughs> I can't even say the word right, um, <laughs> everything that comes with the team, I greatly appreciate. So that's the only thing that will ever get any money out of me is SU Rugby. So, I mean, obviously right now I'm still uh, a fresh out college student. It hasn't been a year since I've graduated. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to that one year anniversary because that that's that's when you realize you have been in, you've entered the deep shit level of adulthood. Um, but I mean, adulthood's really not all that bad, depending on how you see it. But Again, uh, once once you're in that deep shit, that's it. There's no going back. There there goes your youth. You know, you're just wasting away each year, thinking like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're just waiting af- after 22. Then you're waiting for 27. See if you survive the 27 club, and then you go to 30. That's you know your next decade, and then from there the rest is history. You know, and you probably have kids by then, and you're you're trying to make a a, a better life. But speaking of making a better life, um, now that we're talking about getting older, there was something that has deeply, um, I, I've been deeply, deeply contemplating uh, as I, you know, have matured and gotten older and thought about, um, you know, things, things that have come to fruition in my mind, things that I've realized, and that is um, generational wealth. That is something that my family has never had, um, considering that I am a first-generation college student and Dominican-American, meaning that my parents were both, um, they were both born in the Dominican Republic, but I was born in the U.S. 
making me a first-generation Dominican-American. And, um, you know, being that, that source, that primary source that starts the generational wealth for my family, it's, it's a huge honor to feel, to think about that, how, you know, it, it's up to me to begin that. I am not entirely um, sure that, you know, I'll, my family will be millionaires before, my, before I die, but my only hope is that I start that forward progress of having that generational wealth. And that's something that a lot of families in the U.S. still struggle to have to this day, even, you know, whether that 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 has started from, you know, like way back in the 60s or maybe even around this time. I just know that, um, unfortunately, you know, my, my parents, they've done a good job of keeping us afloat. But the only problem with that, me realizing this now, is that um, they've only ever kept us head above water. They've, uh, and us, in um, meaning me and my siblings, they've only ever kept us, our they've only kept our head above water, and we've never, our body has never gotten out of the water. In In other words, we have never owned a house, we've never invested in anything our money goes or went to god knows where it's just it's it's been difficult trying to process the fact that there's all these things that my parents more specifically my father who doesn't believe that the wife should work hence why he always puts up a fuss whenever you know my mom has any idea of trying to get a job which, you know, to me doesn't make sense because in order to create any sort of generational wealth in the family, you got to have all possible contributing factors um, adding into that. And I just never understood why, to my father, it was very hard for him to accept the fact that in order for us to stay more afloat or not just keep our head above water, we must have anyone who's able to work work. And obviously, he had no problem with me and my brother working, and that mo- a big reason probably could be because we were we were men. And with that being said, um, again, he holds that idea that the man should always be the head of the household. He has that very old uh, boomer mentality, I like to call it, because that's that's something that was um highly appraised if that's the right word like way back in the 60s the 70s or just throughout you know that whole time period before the 21st century and it's just weird to me to think how some people are still stuck on that mentality my dad being one of them and you know i really wish i i've had that conversation with him and I mean, I still have a chance. He's still alive. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't think of not ever having that conversation with him, but it's now gotten far past that point because I no longer live under his roof. And it just kind of makes it a little more difficult to stay in touch with him just because I I just have this sort of, uh, there's this thing. I like, I'll just call it a thing in the back of my head that always refrains from getting any closer to him because I have... I've lived through living with him under his roof, and I honestly don't want anything to do with it anymore. It's 
such it's so shameful to see um, how we've been in the same pattern of renting house to house, never doing anything more than just that, you know, and, and that's only just a start, you know, the one thing that really made me realize how uh, messed up, for lack of a better term, how messed up, um, you know, my dad's financial management was, um, was whenever he had asked me for uh, a, a good amount of money uh, for him, for me to loan to him to buy, you know, a new vehicle. And in my head, my first question was, well, what happened with me saving all the time? And like, there's all these things that my father always preached about, always make sure you're saving your money. Yet he's the same person that uses more of his money that he saves. And he just like, I really have no idea what he does with it. I really don't. And it, it's just crazy to think that, you know, for how, how, like, I think my parents make decent enough amount of money to even possibly buy a house. But where is it going? You know, and that's what I've always wondered. Like, how could, why, why out of all people, my father is the one asking, a, asking a loan from me. And he should be the one who has more money than me because the guy has, uh, he has his own company. And for someone who has their own company, you would think they would have a lot of money saved somewhere. But that's not the case. And that's where I just started questioning a lot of things. And it just, you know, I've come to terms that my dad's just really shitty at financial management. And I, I know my mom has told me from time to time that, um, you know, she's constantly had to handle the finances herself. And even then with my dad, there, kind of, you know, micromanaging it. It's just never, it, it's never been to where they were able to save enough money to buy a new house. And it drives me crazy thinking that, wow, all these years we've been renting, renting, and we've just been losing more money for a long time period of time when we really could have just settled somewhere and invested in in a, in a better life from there but it just feels like that 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 sense of having a better life is never going to happen with my family and going back to the whole thing about generational wealth that like you know generational wealth doesn't start like that if you spend a good half of your life, which is what my parents did, they spent a good half of their life just renting. And I just, it, it, it really, it disturbs me. It disturbs me to know that they have never went out of their way to educate themselves. Um, and, it, and it sucks because my mom being in the position that she's always been in, um, my dad has always been that, that overly dominant personality that, you know, calls the shots no matter what. And my mom, she's pretty she she's a she's pretty dominant herself, but obviously with my dad, like he always ensures that he has the final say. And it just it it just gets me thinking a lot. And if you're going through something similar or you have realized something similar about your parents, um, then I hope I hope you can relate with this. For me, I still have so many questions about not just that, but many other things in life. And you know, this is this is why this is how uh, this is how confusing it is to me is that I just can't even muster the right words to explain how I feel about it. I feel I feel a sense of confusion. Trying, it's like I'm digging for a needle in a haystack. 
That's like the best way to put it, right? So, yeah, that's that's what's been going on in my mind a lot. Uh, you know, generational wealth. And I'm honestly more than ready to start some form of legacy in my family, in the family that I would start, hypothetically, if Amanda and I were to start one, which obviously that is the ultimate hope because, you know, <laughs> I just, I, I want to, I'd love to start a family with her. I, you know, I told Amanda that if we had the money to have a family right now, we would have a family right now, or maybe within the next couple of years, because I would use um, a good amount of that money to, you know, enjoy life and also give to, give back to people, because that's the one thing I've been wanting to do so much is like I've always mentally planned that when I have some good form of wealth, like you know, several thousands of dollars, um, like like ten thousands, hundred thousands, maybe that I would use that money to help give back. There's a lot of things I've seen, especially with my uh, time of driving around New York, um, that made me think, it, it, it further pushed me to want to help people. Because there are so many people who are currently helpless, who are out in the freezing cold, who are just looking for, you know, just that, they're, they're looking for, for something to, to, to cling on to hope for. And it, it really makes me sad to think that to this day, we still have so many homeless people that are trying to endure the cold every year and now trying to endure, uh, you know, having to be outside considering all that with coronavirus, there is, um, there's a lot of places that don't allow you to stay inside for long, if even at all. And obviously homeless people usually would, um, you know, they would try to, to, to seek for some warmth or, or some place to find food. And obviously that's not the case for lots of places in New York. Um, and it, it just really gets me thinking. Now, obviously I can't change the world, but I obviously want to do something that will help someone. If it even, if it even means helping one person, I will feel a whole lot better about it. Um, I don't, I don't want to help out um, you know, the whole world. I mean, obviously that's impossible. I'm being realistic here. I can't help every fucking person. I want to help as many people as what fate will let me, as what destiny will let me help. And that's really all I would love to do in life, if, if anything. Um, and I wish I had the resources. I wish, I wish the resources that, um, people with much bigger wealth, would use. I wish they would use that wealth to help people. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there with a good amount of money that, you know, are good good humanitarians. But there's also not enough humanitarians out there. We we need everyone to have the mentality of helping each other out to build something better and bigger. And I think this is why in in a very uh political sense is that it's why our um our country is so divided. Because there are people who have grown up with the survival of the fittest mentality, which, in my opinion, is fucking bullshit. Like, survival of the fittest is a mentality that is completely outdated. It is selfish, absolutely selfish. And when you know that there's other possibilities than just you surviving or just it being all about you, you have to try to, to find something that will benefit the greater good, the the, the majority. Because if it's just about you, 
then I mean, what what void is that going? Like you're just going to be left with an empty void in some in some way. I think at least. I mean, if obviously you don't have a heart, then you know you you wouldn't think about um, you know how other people are around the world. Like in my head. You know, around the nighttime when my my moon in Gemini is radiating, I always think about the deepest shit. Like, you know, how many people are are dying right now? How are they dying? Where are they dying? And you know, what are the the different what what are just what are some things that are just going on in life that that really get you thinking? That really make you either appreciate life more or want to. Uh, push you to do something better than what you're currently doing. Right now, I feel as though I am at a stalemate in my life. I've been working at um, an Amazon warehouse for almost five months now. Actually, uh, tomorrow will be five months since I started working. And, and after the holidays were over, I really started questioning what the fuck I was doing with my life. I was thinking, man, I don't see myself doing this any longer than half a year, or definitely not a year for sure. And it it really pushed like that itself pushed me to apply for other jobs, and it also helped me with uh, being patient because right now I'm still waiting for something to uh, come up, and it has to do with a job, potentially having a full time job. And right now, I'm really on the fence about it, as in, like, you know, I'm 50-50 and thinking I'm going to get it and, and also not getting it because there were just some things that I think really nailed down to what my future could be. You know, just one interview and how you perform and how you act and what you say, all that really, it's, it's just crazy to think how things like that can contribute to what the rest of your future may entail. Just the way you present yourself and how you talk to that that interviewer. So I'm not saying that I absolutely bombed my interview, but all I'm saying is, is that I was a bit rusty and I think that the best thing I did was um, present my most authentic self, showing you know who I was as a person and, and being so passionate that sometimes my mind would speak faster than my, my mouth. So obviously I was stumbling my words every now and then. And obviously I would stop saying I apologize. My mind's obviously speaking faster than, than my mouth could. And, you know, it's just that it's very exciting to, to think. It's just very exciting to even have a chance at such an opportunity. And that, that's the kind of person that I am when there's something big that I feel in my heart could potentially change your life or bring something really good into your life. Like I get excited. I really do. Just even the possibility of it, even if, even if I know I'm not going to get it, like how crazy is that, you know? And I think that's a, a, a mindset that people should adopt more is having that sense of positivity, uh, feel, getting that experience of the excitement of having something that will possibly change your life for the better, you know, even if you don't end up getting it. Obviously, it's going to be heartbreaking whenever you get that rejection, if it does happen. But on the other hand, if you get accepted and you get what you were hoping for, then like, you know, that you only go up from there. And obviously, when when you face rejection, you'll obviously, you know, go downhill a little bit, but it's all a matter of going back up. 
trying to find that that motivation, which, you know, in this case, a rejection would be that new motivation of what makes you do better for the next thing or what you could improve. It's just all a matter of, of self-improvement. So before I went off in that uh, tangent of, pos- uh, of positivity, um, there, there's just so many things I, I've been questioning in life. And I, I said this earlier, I know. The one thing I really do want to bring out is, um, you know, religion. Religion is very skewed, in my opinion. I really think that um, some faiths are, um, they're very modified, skewed. They're, they're not what they should be. And this is a big reason why that I am just very loose with religion. I do believe there is uh, a God. I also believe that there are um, many other gods. There are, you know, people People have their faith for a reason. I've come to realize that religion does not have to be part of your life. But if it is, obviously it's because it's made you hold on to something that gives you hope. And that's something that a lot of people need. And sometimes, um, you know, Religion is not that source of hope for everybody, for instance, myself. The same thing with not everyone has to go to college. I used to think every if everyone went to college, everyone like the, the place like we'd li- be living in a better world. But that's not the case. I don't I don't think that anymore. Obviously, it's a very outdated thought in my head. I think that um, college is not for everybody, just the same as religion is not for everybody. And religion is certainly not for me because all the shit that happens in the world always comes back to why would God want this? Why would he want children to have cancer? Why would he have people, you know, raped? Why would why would he have all these tragic events happen? Mass shootings at an elementary school, mass shootings at concerts, having people, you know, get born with with mental deficiencies, physical uh, incapabilities, why would he want that? If the Almighty God is that great, why doesn't he make everyone equal? And the thing is, is that he just, I feel that as though he just watches over us and is a source of faith, but he does not control what happens. And it it's just, it's a very... It's something I've really been thinking deep about in many instances, you know, whether that be at work, even while I'm video gaming at night, uh, my mind just runs in, in weird places, and this is one of them, and I'm just bringing it out now, um, but religion is very skewed. I don't, I don't believe that God wants all this. He just created the world to be however it turns out to be. It's like... It's like you create something and just leave everything up to chance. And this is uh, another reason why, you know, we have to believe more in in science. Science really does uh, drive a factual proof to why things are the way they are. Science and math, which is crazy to think, right? And if you would like to shun me for speaking of religion this way, then this is a reason why we can't have these conversations is because you're not open to thinking outside of the box. If you are strictly into your religion to the point where you think that any 
talk that isn't positive about it is just malicious and terrible and the devil's act, then no, it's it's not it's not it. Like you're not you're not thinking with an open mind. So um, you know, with that all that being said, I am not religious. I am more. I feel. I like to say I'm more spiritual. I feel as though um, there's someone that watches over everybody in the world, and and then maybe maybe that doesn't apply to everyone. For me, I personally believe that my grandfather, my my dad's dad, I believe that he watches over me, and it's just weird to explain it because I've I've said this to some of my very close friends, where there have been instances where I was thinking something. And for some reason, it just happens right after or something pertaining to that thought happens or I get a sign that was like, you know, like as, as, as if someone had been listening to what I was thinking. And it really made me believe that someone is watching over me. And it, I honestly don't think it's anyone other than my grandfather. I mean, I've cried so many times for him from the, the time I was a teen to you know my early 20s my early early 20s when i was just fresh into my my uh my 20s i've cried more times than i can remember over my grandfather who had passed away when i was eight years old eight years old i didn't get to go to his funeral didn't get to see his face and it it's just every time i talk about him it it always flares up something inside me you know whether i get very emotional or I just start to talk nonstop about him. And I honestly, you're lucky because this is one of the few times that I have spoken about him and have not cried. Seriously. Because every time I speak of, of that old man, Raphael Fabian, my grandfather, I would always, always cry. And that's, that's how, that's the, the way I feel toward him is all that love I could have shown him as a kid had I not been such a su- such a fucking brat because I was a brat as a kid and I didn't I didn't appreciate my elders I was always in the mind of playing games my toys video games and all that and as I grew older obviously with maturing it was just that one night you know where I cried in the shower you know because I've realized that i you know, was growing into such a fine young man, and the one person who I thought would have loved to see this wasn't around. He was dead. He was dead since I was eight years old, and that that night hit me really hard. It really did, and since then, that's when my grieving started. My grieving began seven years after my grandfather passed away, and and I don't, I don't think I'm a hundred percent over that. You know, that's that's something, that's something that I don't think will ever leave me. And I even went about one day while I was in college, uh, during one of you know my lowest points in life. I wrote a letter to him, and I I keep it in a, a binder. You know, it's in my possession, and you know every time I look at it, I, I get emotional. But I mean, that was kind of part of my closure. Because if you think about it, I never got closure for that, for my, my grandfather's death. I never got to see his, uh, see his face. Uh, I never went to his funeral. And, um, you know, the last time I saw him, I was, I was very young. And I miss him every day. 
and I just know that he is watching over me, and he is my guardian angel. He's the person that I want to make proud no matter what. As much as I want to make my parents proud, especially my mom, being that I'm much closer with my mom. Um, but yeah, um, that was that was quite a bit to unpack. So there's that. And again, I've said this earlier with other things I've talked about. If you can relate to this, I really hope that um, I have um, you know helped you come to realize something I, I just hope I just hope your your mind I hope after you're done listening to this podcast that you have a, a new sense of motivation you feel as if you can do something more with your life or you can I don't know start something cool or reminisce something something good I just hope you get anything positive out of this that's all I want I know over the past several episodes I have spoken a lot about politics and don't get me wrong i'm not going to stop talking about politics because i'm now more involved than ever i am a i'm i'm a social activist um a passive activist not aggressive i i, I don't think violence justifies um the points you're trying to get across but um you know with being a social passive activist i'm going to be talking about politics all the time but right now, this ain't the episode for it, so I'm not I'm not gonna bring up any shit that's been going on with that. Um, you'll obviously hear that in future episodes. But right now, I'm just putting out thoughts that I've been holding in for quite a little bit. And you may ask me, like, why don't I just go to therapy and talk about it with that person? Well, for one, I I really can't afford it. But also, I feel that I'm in a good spot to be able to share this comfortably with anybody who's listening, in hopes that they can either come to terms with how they feel about things that they have never felt comfortable sharing with anybody. So if this is something that you have, you know, if these thoughts that I have shared are similar to yours and you weren't able to share them with someone, I really hope you can I uh, either A, find a person who you can confide in and talk about this stuff, or I, at least I, I hope I've helped you find words to be able to express it. Because this, this ultimately, this podcast, it's not meant to, to, to get myself famous in any way, shape, or form. It's meant to, to motivate you, to inform you. And I just, you know, again, I really, really hope that out of every podcast, you get something positive out of it. Whether that be a good laugh, or an inspirational thought, or something that will just motivate you in general. And, you know, that's, that's really it. So that's really all I have for now. I've just I've been meaning to put out an episode for the longest time and here you have it. I am not going to be making long episodes anymore. Not not like, you know, an hour and a half. Like that's just so much talking, you know. The only way you'll see it be that long is if I have a guest. So if I have a guest, you'll know the episodes are going to be at least an hour long and if it's just me, then you'll know because it's a, you know, a, a fairly shorter episode. So that is it. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, really hope you got something positive out of this. And be sure to follow my Twitter at ZekeTheBear or um, my Instagram at ZekeTheBear underscore official. Um, that's all I got. Peace out.
Denied.